Next on MLR Weekly, Michael Young, lawyer for the potential Major League Rugby Players Union in a Don't Miss segment. John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning with headlines, news, and trades. And Brian Ray of America's Rugby News with rumors and opinion. Rugby Wrap-Ups MLR Weekly brought to you by Sheehy Auto Stores. It's easy at Sheehy. The Pig & Whistle, New York City. The world's best rugby pub. And Lean and Limber. Stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Presented by Rugby Wrap-Up, Matt McCarthy in New York City. And we have a great show for you. We have Brian Ray of America's Rugby News with rumors and stuff coming out of New Zealand that might affect Major League Rugby. Yeah, we also have Michael Young, the lawyer for the USRPA, the United States Rugby Players Association, ahead of Major League Rugby's players looking to unionize. But before we get to any of that, we have our recurring segment Rugby Morning's Coffee Break with John Fitzpatrick. John, welcome back to MLR Weekly. It's been so long, like five days since we've seen each other. How are you? What do you got for us? Hey, Matt, I am doing great. Why don't we start in New Orleans, where Noel Gold announced a new head coach. Corey Brown, he's the new head coach. He's going to replace Kane Thompson, but Kane Thompson isn't leaving. He's just shifting over to an assistant role. He's going to oversee the Ford's and the defense but matt what do you make of that move is it gonna get weird in in that coaching clubhouse well there are a few layers to unravel here number one Corey brown has a great rugby resume and he's been around the block and back he's also the brother of tony brown not the former england prime minister but the former all blacks first five eights if you don't know what a first five eights is google it and learn something then you have Kane Thompson, the consummate pros pro, who also has a great CV slash resume as a player and is a team first guy. I understand that he welcomed the move, the change, and is happy to go back to coaching the forwards, which he really enjoys. And he was one hell of a forward. And when he was the forwards coach, Noah's pack was very good. And finally, general manager Ryan Fitzgerald is no dummy. He's not going to keep a player or a person around the organization that's not going to be an asset. So I think it's a good move all around. I think there's great synergy. Off, off season move, give him an A plus for the NOLA goal. Next! Hey, Matt, let's move on over to New England, where the Free Jacks, they made a trio of signings, most notably. Chile's captain, Martin Seagram. That's a big pickup. He's going to be in New England for a couple of MLR seasons. And the Free Jacks, they stole one out of Washington. They got locked Kyle Bailey, a big loss for D.C., and a big pickup for Canada in the South. Yeah, Canada South continuing to raid the Canadian border and pluck gems and jewels from the very grasp of the likes of the Toronto Arrows. It's almost sad to see it. But, hey, it's a winning formula uh, for New England, and let's see if they can repeat. But also, it's chilly. You're an American. We're in America. Say it like a goddamn American in America. If you want to say Chile, then be in the middle of Chile when you say it. Next! My favorite chili is Cincinnati chili. Hey, Matt, trailer. The Seattle Seawolves, who are swimming 
and loose fours. They traded flanker Ronan Foley, a tackle machine, to the Dallas Jackals in exchange for salary cap considerations in 2024 and also a second-round draft pick in the 2024 MLR Collegiate Draft. Matt, how you feeling about Dallas in the 2024 season? Well, first off, very good player that they're, they're acquiring. And you said swimming in forwards. I thought they were drowning in forwards. That's a Seawolf joke, folks, if you're not getting the aqua thing here. And Dallas making moves, looking to improve. I think they're going to be a much improved team this year. Next! Matt, you got a pretty sleek profile. I bet you're a pretty good swimmer. I swam fly and breaststroke in high school. Terry Matthews, uh, the head coach of Hudson Catholic, reminds me that I get disqualified in the county championships, uh, and his team won the championship as a result. Next! Hey, Matt, two notable re-signings here quickly. The Toronto Arrows, they've announced the return of Canadian International and their captain, Lucas Rumble, and Old Glory DC. They have re-signed Locke Colin Gross, who was in the running for MLR Rookie of the Year last year. Two big re-signings for both those clubs. Hey, Matt, this weekend, the USA Men's Eagles, their last two matches of the 2023 season. They're going to be playing in Spain in the La Vila International Rugby Match. They're going to be playing Brazil Saturday morning, and then we'll either get the winner or loser of Spain versus Canada. So two more matches in 2023. But, Matt, i got to ask you, man, how are you feeling about the Eagles heading into 2024? Well, you know, they had uh, the ability of flying under the radar, did the Eagles. Uh, and I feel, and so do a lot of people out there, in my humble opinion, that if you lift the interim tag off of Scott Lawrence and make him the full-time coach, we'll all feel a lot better about the Eagles in 2024. Next. That's it, Matt. Let's go. America. If yeah. All right, John, Any. Final thoughts, parting shots, if you will. Your vein is throbbing. Other than that, you look fantastic. Yeah, I, you got me going. I, I, I'm, I'm caffeinated, I'm angry, and I'm bald and bitter. On that note, thank you to John Fitzpatrick. Let's take a break and come back with USRPA USRPA lawyer Michael Young after this. Digs like a demented mole there. Need a great price on a new vehicle? Sheehy makes it easy. Easy Price shows you our lowest prices on the Mid-Atlantic's largest selection. Find your best price online or at any of our 31 dealerships. It's easy at Sheehy. Sheehy.com. You need your cleats? You need them tomorrow? If you order today by 3 p.m. New York time or noon L.A. time, they can have them to you tomorrow. Young, old, male, female, if you're playing on turf, if you're playing on grass, if you're playing in the rain, you're playing in the heat, they've got you covered. RugbyNow.com. Go there now. And we are back. And joining us is Mr. Michael Young, Executive Director and General Counsel for the USRPA, the United States Rugby Players Association. Sir, welcome to MLR Weekly. Matt, thanks for having me. No, happy to be on and uh, have the opportunity to talk about some things going on with the players right now. Just to bring people up to speed, the MLR players are voting to unionize in February. And there's some stuff like people like me don't know and would like to just get educated on. So I had Matt sure. Turner of the Seattle Seawolves on last week. Uh, we'll have you on this week to, to give us a perspective. And I gotta, I'm going to rifle through some questions and often play the, the, the role of devil's advocate. 
just so the folks at home know, your resume is extent has extensive shows that you have extensive experience in labor and collective bargaining, and you are actually a law clerk for the National Labor's Relations Board. So this stuff is pretty much right in your wheelhouse. I see one thing, Michael, that uh, that bothers me is that you were a, you you played for the Chicago Lawyers Rugby Club and probably sued poor referees into submission. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm sure we couldn't have been a referee's uh, favorite, you know, to officiate for, um, you know, when you've got 15 guys out there who all want to argue the last call, right? But, um, you know, I think we tried to, uh, you know, be as respectful and, and mindful of, uh, you know, rugby values as possible and, you know, maybe turn that rugby uh, hat on and then the lawyer hat off a little bit when we're on the pitch. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. How does how do you feel about the vote as of today and and when does it actually take place? Yeah, you know, um, first and foremost, very excited just about this opportunity that players have to give their voice uh, to the process and, um, you know, have a meaningful impact on directing the future of the game in, in America and up in Canada throughout, you know, uh, Major League Rugby. Um, you know, it's going to be a vote by mail process that the Labor Board will initiate. And I don't have the document in front of me, but off the top of my head, I want to say uh, they'll be mailing out ballots uh, on February 19th. And, um, you know, they'll be counting those uh, toward the end of March. I want to say the 28th uh, that, you know, the board will uh, have received them by then. And then, you know, they'll count. Um, if a majority of the votes cast, uh, you know, are in favor of the USRPA, uh, then players will gain a seat at the table and have an opportunity to discuss, you know, all the sorts of, uh, you know, conditions that uh, affect them as players for Major League Rugby. And so, you know, it's an exciting opportunity for them to really kind of uh, stamp their mark on this. How many players will get the letters or the, the, the email or the mail campaign? And how many do you need out of it? to have an official vote? Every player who is on Major League Rugby payroll, uh, I want to say at the end of the preseason period, uh, ending February 4th, um, and, and I have to check those dates off the, the labor board direction there, but that's my recollection offhand. Um, any player who's on payroll at that point would be eligible to vote, which should be everyone you know, at the start of the season uh, you know, already employed by Major League Rugby. There's no quota for who participates in it. Um, you know, certainly it's our goal that, you know, every player um, takes part in this and, and gets their voice across. But, um, you know, I, I guess theoretically, if one person votes and they vote in favor of it, then it would go through. But wow. uh, the, the practicality of it is, you know, we've got a lot of interest in this from players. And, uh, you know, I, I expect there to be pretty high turnout. So it's just a tally of the votes cast and 50% plus one. Uh, I, I've been I've been trying to figure out the difference between a player's union and a player's association. Can you, in layman's terms, explain this to me sure. in the USA? Because I know it's slightly different across the seas, across the pond, right? So really, players association versus players union is really down to semantic differences. Um, you know, I know that some of the PAs here in the US have flipped back and forth between calling themselves a players union or players association at various times, but it's by and large the same process. And the whole point of it is just to give players a voice, um, you know, with their league, with their teams. And um, that's really what it boils down to. You know, we have um, the luxury, I guess, of, of having a, 
legal process that would um, standardize our relationship with the league and would guarantee players certain rights to not just discuss what happens to them, you know, and, and affects them as players, but actually, you know, give an arm's length negotiation to that process. Uh, and that's under the National Labor Relations Act, you know, which is policed by the labor board there. Uh, and they're the ones, you know, uh, overseeing this election process. And then they would be the ones, um, you know, who would be an arbiter, uh, essentially, uh, among the parties, uh, you know, to police that they are maintaining, you know, uh, good faith bargaining. OK, so another hypothetical. I'm a player for the uh, the Albuquerque franchise. And I get certain perks as per my negotiation with my club. I'm getting a car. I got a, I got a terrace on my apartment. Um, I get two flights round trip to someplace, right? Uh, home, for instance. Um, does this go away? Like, how do I negotiate? What happens to my negotiated deal? You know, players really seem to value uh, the ability to negotiate certain aspects of their deals and a lot of them and a growing number of them are using agents in order to do that and and kind of capitalize on their individual market value um you know it's up to the players really how they want to approach negotiations but the trend that i wouldn't see players choosing to buck is in the sports and entertainment industries in the u.s the model has always been where player associations set the floor set the standard uh for you know what sort of operations would affect players uh and basic minimums uh that you know uh, would apply to everyone Above and beyond that, it still leaves open room uh, for players to individually negotiate, um, you know, maybe some side perks or uh, increased compensation based on, you know, what position they play and, and different needs. So um, if I can interrupt, so a player can still negotiate for themselves with their club? Yeah, and that's the exact model that, you know, you see in the National Football League uh, that their Players Association has agreed to, um, MLS, um, you know, you name it. Uh, that's that's how the uh, labor relations is set up in the sports industry here. Well, I'm again, I'm a John Q player and we vote to unionize. What kind of costs are going to come out of my paycheck for it? So that's going to be a determination that the players will make. Um, you know, this is a democratically run organization. You know, it's not something where they're voting me in by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I'm not making tackles for a living. Uh, you know, I just provide my advice and counsel to these guys. But it is run exclusively by the players and for the players. Is it the position of the players union that the owners are making money? You know, I, I can't speculate on what their financial position is. Um, you know, it, it, it would be beyond what I have access to and in financial information. But uh, it's not uncommon in sports and, and even in major ones for ownership groups to uh, and teams not to be making money necessarily. Um, but, you know, I'd be speculating uh, with respect to Major League Rugby. You know, my my intel tells me that the average loss per year for an owner is like five million bucks. Look, you know, I think that's really kind of a red herring here. Whether they're making money or not um, doesn't affect the rights that players have to have a voice in that process. And there are certainly uh, a number of things that aren't any sort of uh, 
economic impactors that players can negotiate on how they play the game, how they're contracted. And, um, you know, in the early days of a lot of these other sports here in North America, these are the same questions and same concerns that popped up. And, um, you know, I don't see any sort of difference here. You know, MLS in particular, I think, was in year six when their players went through and initiated the, the Players Association and, um, you know, had a lot of the same growing pains that, that you know, rugby has here in the U.S. So uh, I think, you know, to, to suggest that this is premature is, is off the mark here. But if you were in a situation to invest or you were an investment banker or a, a venture capitalist, what would your feelings be about a potential labor dispute in terms of investing? You know, I I can't speculate what venture capital would, would feel about these sorts of things, but um, from my my lens, you know, I have to say that um, having players on board um, and and working with the league to grow it and bring stability to it through uh, reaching a collective bargaining agreement, I think speaks volumes to stability and you know future prosperity of the league. I, I you know I I have my ear to the ground and I get you know, rumors thrown at me all the time. And I try to vet anything that I talk about. One of those things is that there are three teams impacted potentially by the labor question that are not having their deals with investors or potential new partners. The ink isn't dry on the deals because they're waiting to see what happens. Yeah, I, I that's news to me. And I can't speculate um, as to what those situations are or contingencies that they may have in place. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll just say that uh, having a players association in place uh, is not something that is detrimental to the financial situation of a league. Uh, you know, uh, this provides a uniform process for the league to engage with their players. And, you know, ultimately players are in the same boat as the league and wanting it to grow and, and prosper here in the U.S., uh, especially, you know, leading into, you know, U.S. hosted World Cups in the years to come. Uh, it might be hubris. It might be my ego. It, it, it might be just I'm, in, I'm certifiably insane. But I can't <laughs> help but think that if we got in a room together and I, I had a keg, we could come out with a deal in about three hours. And I have some potential solutions. <laughs> Well, when I talk to owners and general managers, and then I talk to players, and now I'm speaking to you, to me, it's not that there's not that big of a gulf. And there is an ability or a, an availability for us to to get this thing done before it becomes, you know, spirals out of control. So contracts are an issue, right? What if we said, okay, uh, player contracts, a player gets cut. The player is effectively a free agent. Uh, and for and, and I understand the other side of that, too, is like if somebody drives from Ohio to play again for that fictitious team in Albuquerque and sure. they got a $20,000 contract and they got cut two weeks after the season starts, they're SOL right now. But what if there was some kind of agreement where, okay, if that's the case, uh, depending on where you are in the season – the they'll honor half the contract so that at least covers the player and maybe his wife to go back to Ohio. Yeah. I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head. Those are the exact sorts of things and the conversations that players want to have with the league um, and see where we can find that middle ground that, you know, meets both parties uh, expectations and desires there. The APC, the, the, the associate players contract 
They get an hourly wage. They do get a crack at playing professional rugby, but it's it's not like a great deal. And if I'm not mistaken, players were under the assumption that they couldn't go play for another team. That's been a tough point. And the owners and people that I have spoken to say, oh yeah, well we you know that's that's something that we can probably work through. The players want to have these conversations on these issues, health and safety, uh, playing conditions. You know, they want a dialogue that sets out, you know, measures for when teams move, you know, what sort of notification is out there? Um, how are players traded? You know, what sort of security is in these playing contracts? Th- those are all the, the you know, the, the topics that you just mentioned that, that we want to discuss and that players really want to have a meaningful impact on. Sure. If- if I'm working for a company XYZ and they go out of business, is it their responsibility to take care of players of another organization? So my understanding is that these players are all contracted to Major League Rugby. So it, it's they build themselves as following a kind of single entity model, you know, that that Major League Soccer put out there a few years ago and, and still maintains to my understanding as well. You know, if if a team does relocate or fold and um, you know, in, in the situation for, you know, Atlanta now becoming LA, players would have the opportunity to negotiate the effects of that sort of relocation um, and uh, lessen the impact on on themselves and their families and, and going through that process. The health insurance thing. I understand it's a big deal. You know, right now it's a workers' comp situation and a workers' comp situation for folks that don't know this out there. It's when you're on the job and you get hurt, you're covered. During the off season, for a lot of these players, the workers' comp doesn't do a thing, and they have families, some of these people. So coverage after the season is a big deal, and it's expensive. Workers' comp sure. varies from state to state, and the owners right now currently pool their money into a workers' comp pool to lessen the costs and equal them across the board. But there's a there's a gap between the se- end of the season and the start of another season. What if there was like a bridge with – Medicaid or Obamacare to soften that blow so that there is some kind of insurance for players in the offseason so that when they are playing for a, a club rugby team in the area to help promote the team that they're covered and maybe their spouse or their kid is covered, would that be a feasible, uh, acceptable, acceptable resolution for players? You know, that's what really what this all boils down to is – you know, getting the players a seat at the table, uh, giving them a voice in this whole process and uh, this sort of give and take that, you know, hopefully will open up between players in the league going forward. You know, the players want this to grow and prosper and, you know, they want to be a part of it going forward and uh, to really leave a legacy. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk uh, among rugby players about, you know, leaving the jersey in a better place. And I think this is one of the ways that they see that opportunity to grow rugby here uh, and, and really give it a solid footing going forward. All right, final question for you. I have to ask, Chicago Griffins or Chicago Lions, if you had to choose? You know, I played uh, very sporadically for a brief bit for the Griffins. Good answer. You and I are brothers from a different father because I played with the Mountain Aspen and I've been friends with them since. Fair enough. All right. All right, Mr. Michael Young, thank you very much, sir. No, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, Matt. All right, we'll be right back with Brian Ray of America's Rugby News just after this. I wouldn't like to be at the bottom of that. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street.
This is the Rugby Odds, where an unlikely pundit panel of a wordsmith, a WWE legend, a rugby star, and a supermodel scour the globe, seeking best bets and bad behavior. Are you not entertained? And we're back with Mr. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News. Brian, welcome back, and thank you for being here. We were talking off camera about Super Rugby undermining MLR again. Yeah, Lee Halfpenny signing with the Crusaders. You know, there was a little bit of a rumor going around that he was actually headed to Major League Rugby next season. I was getting excited about that. But, hey, it's not happening. He's actually going to New Zealand to play uh, it's a little super rugby. I think this is a surprise. We have been. He's not coming to MLR, which is disappointing. Uh, we have some more MLR stuff to talk about. We have a positive. We have MLR players playing international matches and traveling to Spain. Lovely. Um, yeah, looking forward to see you know some action. You certainly some of the younger guys. See how they go out there. You know we've seen Scott Lawrence mix it up, and, and then the Canadian team. Some coach will put some guys in the field and we'll see what happens. But this whole thing to me is a terrible missed opportunity. First of all, it should have been three tests, but second of all, this should have been played midweek games during the world cup. You know, they could have broadcast them as, Hey, we're work. We're building towards a 2014 world cup. Here's a little exhibition series between teams that hopefully, you know, at least a couple of them will be featuring in four years time. That's your problem. You got to start thinking illogically. It just doesn't happen. I mean, just ask, uh, you know, our, I guess, online colleague, Mr. Mr. Squidge. Uh, I was just going to, you just, I was just going <laughs> to ask you about Squidge. I mean, everybody knows Squidge rugby at this stage and Mr. Owen and, and his brother who also works on that, that thing and put this 40 minute terrific presentation you know, of how the Springboks won the World Cup together, puts it online within a couple hours, some numpty at World Rugby has given him a copyright strike and, and taken it down. Now, why you don't want free advertising is beyond, again, beyond my comprehension. What is going on at the offices in Dublin? I don't think anybody has any real idea what these guys do or whoever is working in that office. Do they do anything? Do they think about things at all? Are they in, you know, living in the 1800s? I don't know what's going on there. My guess, it was like a copyright algorithm that kicked off on, it was set off on YouTube and that went an email to World Rugby and somebody just did a knee-jerk reaction because, if you didn't and you didn't run it up to your higher ups to say, hey, uh, should we flag this or not, then you should be looking for a different job. They have had more than enough time to rectify the situation. They, first of all, should have known beforehand anyways. I mean, the Squidge has done stuff for world rugby. I, it, it, it beggars belief. It beggars belief that, that the thought process of that whole situation. And the whole thing is, too, if you get into that YouTube, if you get on their blacklist or you go to their like media sin bin, you could be permanently banned or your channel shut down 
and you really don't have an opportunity to speak to a human being. You have to fill out like a two-page uh, court kangaroo court uh, plea. And on that note, Brian Ray, we are out of time. Thank you, Mr. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News. Thank you to John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning. Thanks to Mr. Michael Young, the lawyer for the USRPA USRPA. Thank you for tuning in. Please check out our other shows, including the critically acclaimed The Rugby Odds, the College Rugby Wrap-Up. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. Tell a friend about us. And please join our American Red Cross blood donor team.